today we want to talk about developing a heart, and notice how I did the title, Developing a Heart with Issues. Developing a heart, pause, that has issues. And God wants to work with your heart because God absolutely loves you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit that so rules this place, Lord, for the worship. Father, we are blessed. We don't even conceive how blessed we are with the kind of worship that is manifesting from this place. Lord, we thank you for leading and guiding and directing us into this realm, this window of opportunity, this time frame, this season of blessing in honoring you and worshiping you and opening the windows of heaven as a giving people. And we thank you, Lord, for that. Lord, again, I come in agreement with Pastor Dan that every disease that is named must bow to the name of Jesus. We proclaim healing right now in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you that Rita is well. I thank you, Lord, that uh, as I saw her yesterday in the hospital, in Jesus' name, she will rise up out of that bed and she will be home. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our lives. Oh, it's amazing. And we give you praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Just smile big at someone before you're seated. Developing a heart that still has issues. Making choices, finding biblical principles, biblical ways to eradicate these issues. Again, it's so good to see you. I am glad that you're here. I have studied, I've prayed, I have a word for you, and the word is going to transform your life. It will give you understanding and revelation of life as you even walk outside into the courtyard, as we fellowship together, as we eat together, as we talk together, as we pray together, as we sing together. God is doing something at Valley. We have developed many cultural lifestyles, a culture of leadership, a culture of the word its, and its importance. A culture of discipleship with OSL. I can't wait till this afternoon to be with uh, a group of my family from Valley, and uh, we're going to be talking about the love of God. And uh, OSL is just, it's amazing as we gather together. A culture of worship, which is so vital. A culture of healing. Valley Community Church is healed. No longer we are in a morning stage. It is a, a time frame of healing that uh, even as Scripture said, Moses, my servant, is dead, there was a time frame of mourning and no longer will you be mourning. The past no longer has a hold of you. The situations, the experience of the past no longer rules you in your day, in your thought process. The Word of God is now is, is preeminent in your life. Why? Because you are the healed. Because we are healed, 
a culture of giving is preeminent. When people are healed and people are well, well in their body, well in their thinking, well in their spiritual uh, realm of thinking and, and just a lifestyle of diving in the word of God, it creates a lifestyle that gives. Last week, we found that having a struggle with giving is a heart issue. It's not that we don't want to give, because we do. It's not that we don't want to return the tithe. But the enemy has deceived and it brought uh, so many things and, and brought in hurts and despair to where uh, certain issues of the heart cause us not to return our tithe. It's not we don't want to give extravagantly either. It's not that we don't want to go above and beyond. But all of us must understand a giving lifestyle and a culture and or a culture only happens by developing, I'll say that word again, developing a heart of giving. We must understand it is a godly, born-again lifestyle. If giving is not preeminent in our life, we are not walking in the hundredfold in return of what God has done for us spiritually. Last week in Matthew chapter 7, remember this, verse 1 and 2, we learned two things. Judge not and you won't be judged. Then, for with the same measure you use it, will be measured back to you. We took you to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6 is a writing of Luke. As Matthew wrote, Matthew writing in Luke, he's writing about the same event, the same story, and what we are finding the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus added something to the context of Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 and 2. And uh, Matthew 7, again, is the context of judging. In Luke 6.38, most pastors teach about money. It's really not talking about money. It includes money. But Jesus is speaking to the heart, saying, in addition, when you give, it's given back to you more. When you give, it's given back to you more. You have a heart that understands that every aspect of your life in giving, God always responds back to you when the heart is in line. So here's the kingdom principle God is proclaiming. He says, if you let me change your heart and then you become a giver, with an attitude, thinking this way, I know God multiplies what I give back to me, but I just want to give. I want to be a giver without expecting anything in return. Now, for all us faith people, you hear that, and, and it's just really tough to to let that sink into your heart because, you know, when you give, it is given back to you. Your faith, you have faith in what you do 
and all the different aspects of that, but we're not teaching on faith today, even though faith always is a part, and it's a, it, it's a web, and it's, it's an artery, it's a vein of everything that we talk about, faith. But you will be blessed and prosper, God says, when you create a heart and develop a heart of giving. Why? Because we gave with the right heart. That's what Jesus is talking about in the Sermon on the Mount. Remember, this is Jesus who is seeing the throngs of people, thousands of people, and he says, I'm going to be leaving one day, and when I leave, these people got to know how to do this life. So he takes a group of people, the disciples, and a few others follow, and he goes up into the mountains, and he teaches the Sermon on the Mount to them. Why? To go down and to live that life in front of all of them so they would understand what it means to be a believer, what it means to be born again. And to be born again, you are a giver. So let's develop this culture in our hearts. The culture is what? What Luke 6 is talking about. Give, give, and give. Be a giver. So let's develop a culture in our church of giving. And let's watch. Remember Hezekiah proclaimed the tithe? Let's watch the heaps manifest in every area of our life. And don't look at me and say, Pastor, are you talking about just money? No. I'm talking about finances. I'm talking about relationship. I'm talking about healing. I'm talking about every aspect of your life. Heaps of blessing will manifest when we deal with the issues of our heart. We deal with our past hurts. We deal with the stuff that is, is causing us not to be a giver. Or when we give, we give in a selfish way. But we look godly. Don't look at me that way. So listen very intently. The reward Jesus is talking about is the right heart. In the Sermon of the Mount, God is saying your health, every aspect of prosperity in your life comes because you have allowed God to deal with your heart. You've allowed yourself to develop the heart that you have, even though you still have issues in your heart. You've allowed yourself to develop. How do you develop it? By getting in the Word, by being discipled, by worshiping, by allowing God's kingdom to be number one in your life. And it includes returning the tithe and giving offerings. Now, I found a year ago, well, actually, let me just say it this way. I found years ago, at that time, my heart was not right. About a year ago, I did deal with something in my own heart that I had to really deal with. And the reason I wasn't getting a great return is because God wanted to do a work in my heart years ago, and I didn't see it. So my heart had issues, but I did everything good, did everything right. So the question is, how do we develop a kingdom heart becoming a giver? How do we do this? What does Scripture say? And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to dig into this, and we're going to find out what does God say 
of how, even though we have issues, anybody have issues? Even though we have issues, how do we develop this heart in spite of those issues and allowing God to do the work and cleaning it up? First, every one of us must first recognize it is a heart issue. It's not if you're giving or not. It's not if you're returning your tithe or not. It's not if you're giving an offering or not. It's not if you're prospering or not. You know, when you do something and you're expecting something in return, you give to somebody and all of a sudden the same thing happens to you and no one gives it to you. So you're ticked off at everybody. You're offended. See, it's not about what you're doing. It's about the heart. So we need to first recognize it is a heart issue and God wants to do a work in our hearts. Point to your neighbor and say, God wants to do a work in your heart. Just tell him. Church, there's a window of opportunity, and God is saying, open up your heart to that truth. Open it up. So turn your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 15, and let's continue in this. It's amazing, New Testament, Old Testament. It's all over, because this is what it's about. This is about kingdom reality. This is about succeeding and prospering in your life. Isn't it amazing Third, third John 2 says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. It doesn't say, Beloved, I wish above all things because you are spiritually astute. You can quote the word of God that now you would uh, prosper big. Well, there is truth in that. But what God is saying, and that's what he's saying in the Sermon on the Mount, if you're going to go down from this mountain and you're going to be a leader and you're going to be able to teach, lead people to, to me, lead people to Christ, and you're going to be able to help people, pray for people, see healing, see miracles take place, what you need to understand, first of all, there needs to be a work in your heart. God needs to be number one. God needs to be absolutely first place in everything in your life. And because of that, that he's number one, you now become a giver. We're going to find out today, really, why it takes place and when it takes place that we will see the prosperity of the Lord. Deuteronomy 15 lists some things we must do if we're going to give with a pure heart. Verse 7, let's look at this. If there is among you a poor man of your brethren within any of the gates in your land which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart nor shut your hand from your poor brother. This is not talking about social justice. This is talking about the heart. Social justice is... is a good thing in being socially just. But the reality is, is if the heart is not right, it does not produce what God said it will produce. Notice if you harden your heart, you will shut your hand. If you have a heart that's not hardened, your hand will be open. So 
number one priority is understanding is that, that it is an issue of the heart. And the heart needs not to become hard. And there are a lot of Christians today who live their life with a hard heart and they're offended a lot and they don't get along with one another. And the reason is because they have stopped becoming a true giver. The Bible says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Verse 8, Deuteronomy 15. But you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly lead him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs. So, if we are going to give willingly and not harden our heart, we must do a few things. So in order for us to really see the poor, and there are people that are poor in spirit. There are people that are poor in relationships. There are people that are poor in health. So follow the thought here as we dive into this. If we're going to give willingly and make a choice to develop a heart that's not hard, the first thing we need to do is deal with a selfish heart. We need to deal with a selfish heart. Verse 9, beware lest there be a wicked thought in your heart. The same story here, saying, the seventh year, the year of release, is at hand, and your eye be evil against your poor brother, and you give him nothing, and he cry out to the Lord against you, and it becoming sin among you. Notice God calls selfishness wickedness. He says, don't let a wicked thought come into your heart. Here is the thought. The scripture speaks of a seventh year of release in Israel. Every seven years... There's a 50, and every seven years in Israel, there are certain debts that were canceled out. And so we'd love that, but the problem in our society today, the sixth year, many would buy a lot of things, put it on credit, because they knew next year it would be forgiven. But notice the thought of what happens is it's really talking about being in debt too. And a lot of people get angry at God and they can't give and they can't do this because they're in so much debt, they can't do anything. So follow the process here. The wicked thought would be this. If I gave this poor guy, if I gave this to him, There wouldn't be enough time for him to pay me back. So I'm not going to give it to him. That's the wicked thought that he's talking about. So what they're doing is they're measuring, if I do this, what return will I get? And Scripture calls that wickedness, selfishness. The same as Luke 6. The, The... See, the same principle, don't lend hoping for something in return. Luke 6, as God says, if you give, 
Give, not judging that I will bless you. In other words, every time someone gives, they're always looking at what they're going to get back from it. And that is what Luke is talking about. That's what the judging, that's what Scripture is talking about. And most pastors don't teach that. They don't bring that up. Because I'll just tell you, they're selfish. They're selfish. They're looking for money in all the wrong places. They're looking to make money and getting up there and speaking, and what are they going to get in return? And God is saying in Deuteronomy, God is trying to deal with hearts because all of us are born selfish. Again, don't look at me that way. Remember, you don't have to teach your children to be selfish. It comes naturally. You have to teach them to share. Amen? You have to teach them to share. The Bible says rebellion is born in the heart of the child, but it's a rod of correction that drives it far from them. So here's the second thing, all right? Deal with selfishness. Let God deal with selfishness. Now, let God deal with a grieving heart. What does that mean? Well, let's read on. Verse 10, Deuteronomy 15. You shall surely give to him, and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him. Because for this thing, the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and in all to which you put your hand. How many of you want to have a life that everything that you do, God returns in a blessing? Amen then you can't have a heart that's always thinking that God's going to return it because I'm giving. That's not the reason why you're giving. That's not the reason why you're returning. That's not the reason why you bless people. That's the reason why is because you are a giver. And we're going to get deeper into this. We're going to find out what does that mean, being a giver? What does that mean, being a godly giver? So, again, we, we find to deal with the grieving heart. The end of the verse says, God will bless you in all your works. I want that lifestyle. But I need to deal with selfishness, and I need to deal with a grieving heart. And by the way, I can't fix that. God can and I have to give my heart to God regarding selfishness and grieving. We learn about selfishness. Grieving is that you are looking back in the past and you are grieving over something that didn't happen. You are angry at God because you, you went to your neighbor, baked a pie, and then when you got sick, they didn't bring you a pie. And so you're mad at them. You don't like your neighbors. They're not givers. Well, there's a lot of people not givers, but that's not why you give, expecting in return. See, the culture of, of a church, the culture of your home, the culture of your business, the culture of your job, everywhere that you are at is this, that you must get to a place in your life that you must understand selfishness 
And grieving is always there wanting to destroy your heart. You're always wanting to be angry and hold something against somebody because of what they did or what they didn't do. And we're always conniving in giving, if I do this, what will I get back from this? Have you ever done what I did, have done th through the years? That I've given large amounts? Then I thought, hmm, wonder how God's going to return that to me. You ever been there? Ever, some of you ever dream? I don't buy them, but some of you dream, well, because I gave this, maybe I need to go buy a lottery ticket. And I can, I can go ahead and make millions. And then when I make millions, I can give. Really? Okay, all right. So that's awesome, though, that God said, I will put it in your hand. I will bless you. But see, that's God. That's him. For God so loved the world that he gave. God's a giver. God will give. My life is dependent upon God, not dependent upon how I give or what I give or what I return. So, pastor, are you saying we don't have to do all that? That's not what Scripture's saying. The Scripture's saying the problem is, is that the heart is not where it needs to be. The heart is out of line, so you can give, you can return, you could do all you want, but your heart's not right. Yeah, it is. See, there it is. Your heart's not right. You're not letting God to deal with the thoughts, the wicked thoughts that are there. Well, didn't work for me. I'm not going to do that. Why are you giving to that group? Why are you giving? You know, you used to hear when uh, we do some missions work and we receive an offering for missions. Well, why don't, why don't you do it in El Monte? El Monte people need it too. Well, yeah, they do. The poor you always will have with you. But here's the reality. When selfishness and grieving is there, that what happens is there becomes an attitude, an issue in the heart that pushes God's blessings away. And even though we're doing, quote, all the right things, we haven't done it with the right heart. Because we haven't done it with the right heart, then what happens, it stops the blessings of the Lord. So God blesses you in all your work when you have a right heart. God blesses when <laughs> we let him correct and correctly develop our hearts. So don't grieve about what you gave. Don't grieve or hold against people things they did or didn't do. Some people are just not thankful. There's some people I know that I would never expect a thanks from them because they believe they deserve it. God is telling me selfishness attacks me before I give. Watch this. This is important. Selfishness attacks me before I give, and grieving attacks me after I give. Grieving is a victim mentality. Blaming others. It's other people's fault. It's not mine. 
It's the boss's fault. Let me just ask you this. Do you believe, and maybe you don't, do you believe that God is bigger than your boss? Do you believe that God is bigger than that person falsely accusing you at work? Because what it does is it creates a grieving and an anger. And when God wants to speak about giving, use you in the kingdom of God, wherever it may be, a lot of times our mindset is on the problem that we have, the issue in our heart, and not on the leading of the Holy Spirit. And we lose out on the blessing that God wants to give. See, God is not concerned with what you give, but his concern is will you let him work with your heart? See, when life takes place, paychecks, bonuses, prosperity, inheritance, selfishness attacks with doubt and fear. Then grief saying this, do you really realize what you just gave away? I remember years ago, uh, Pastor Bradford, who was a pastor here at the church for many years, a mentor of Terry's and mine, he and Beverly, Pastor Bradford's uh, 20-year anniversary was at the church. And so I went into pastor and said, Pastor, we want to be a blessing to you and we want to receive an offering for your 20-year anniversary. And, and so Terry and I gave a large amount and on the next day, our car broke down. And a bill came in from a hospital. It wasn't a lot, but a bill came in from the hospital that I thought the insurance took care of. I was grieving. I was thinking, how quick could I get to the bank, put a stop payment on the check? I know you're laughing, but that's what I thought. (laughs) I didn't do it. See, God had to do a work in my heart. God had to bring things to me and to deal with selfishness and to deal with grieving. Selfishness and grieving will destroy you. Now, there's a time in Scripture where it talks about when Moses died, it said, Moses, my servant, is dead. But there was a time frame of the grieving. But sorrow is a spirit that wants to come in and steal, kill, and destroy. It's the enemy. And there's a time that we must stop the grieving process, the grieving. And there's a lot of times we think that's only about death. And the grieving is about many areas of your life and mine. Many areas. There are many instances grieving in your relationships, grieving in in so many different things that are happening. God is saying to you and to me, stop and desist. Let God deal with it because only God can deal with that. So you, you can do all you want. You could try to fix everything. You cannot fix it. You have faith in a God who does. He's your healer. And we need most Christians, and let me just say this to you, because I can, I can take you, I could spend six, seven hours reading you scripture about this grieving. Most Christians grieve and don't stop. 
and it is attacking your prosperity in your life. People rejected you in a relationship. And even though you're in a beautiful relationship now, you're still grieving over that. People call that being offended, being hurt, whatever. And, and it, can all, it can all come into different uh, explanations. And you know what? Let me just say this to you. It's all real. It's real. It's not something that just, oh, okay, I get it, Pastor. It's gone. No. You have a battle right now. You have a battle in this area. And where it shows up in my life and yours, if we don't allow God to deal with it, it shows up in our finances. Yes, it shows up in everything else, but it shows up in our finances. The reason why we grieve when we give or even lose money is we think the money was ours. The last two weeks, I showed you in Scripture that the tithe belongs to God. Leviticus 27.30 says, And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. So here is a finality of the revelation. It all belongs to God. Yeah. I love you. And I want you to be delivered, not from, there's not, I don't think there's anyone that I know here that doesn't want to be a giver, that doesn't want to give in, in every area of your life because you're born again. There's an anointing in you to be a giver. But I'm telling you, there's places in your life, it will drive you to homelessness even though you have a home. See, it all belongs to God. The tithe is what he tests our heart with. He tests our heart with this. Psalm 24.1 says, The earth and everything in it exists for the Lord, the world and those who live in it. See, everything I have belongs to God, and if God asks me for it, I don't grieve, I give it. I got a car. I was in college. Yes, I worked. I, I waited three years before I went to college and, and put money away. I got a car, and, and it was an older car because I didn't want to spend all my money on just a car. So I get this car, and I had it for a little while, and then the Lord says, I want you to give that away. I said, okay, you want me to give it away? And um, he says, yeah, I want you to give it. He told me who to give it to. And I got really excited. It was awesome. I thought, wow, I get to give this car away to so-and-so. And I know his life. I know where he's. And it's just going to be awesome. He's going to be so excited. He's going to be so blessed. Thank you, Lord, for allowing me to be a part of that. So I give him the car. A month later, he sells it and pockets some money. I started grieving. 
But everything I have belongs to God, and if God asks me for it, I don't grieve. It wasn't mine. It was his to give. It's called stewardship and ownership. God is the owner, and we are the steward. Now, you deal with selfishness and grieving, allowing God to work and to deliver you from this spiritual thing. The third thing that we need to develop is we need to develop a generous heart. Back to Deuteronomy 15, verse 14. You shall supply him liberally from your flock, from the threshing floor, and from your winepress, from what the Lord your God has blessed you with, you shall give to him. Again, speaking of the guy who's poor. And it's almost there, the seventh year, where all the debts would be canceled, all the above. So what he's doing, he's bringing, he says, now you develop a generous heart. Now the word says liberal, but liberal has a different meaning today. So I use the word generous heart. You are to give over and above when you do give. I have learned now. I do it with my wife. I do it with my kids. I do it with my grandkids. I do it with my brothers and sisters. I do it everywhere I go. When I know that the Lord is leading me to give, I ask him, is that all? Because I want to be generous. God, you're asking me to do something. Do you want me to give more? And let me just tell you, (laughs) many times he says, nope, I just want you to give that. Once in a while he says, oh, okay, that grieving thing is leaving you. So he says, okay, you want to give more, then why don't you do this? Terry and I have have been thinking about areas of giving and different planning holidays and said what we're going to do and people we're going to bless and different things like that. And and so the Lord asked me to do something, and so I did it. And I asked the Lord, uh, anything more? He says, your wife will ask you about it. The other day she came to me and says, honey, I know that we've done this and this and this and this and this and went through this whole long list. And she says, but you know what? I really feel that we need to give to, I said, honey, come on, <laughs> bring it out, bring it out. And, and she says, I think we need to give this amount to, and then she named the people who have some things going on with their family. I said, you really believe that's what you're supposed to do? She said, yeah. I said, okay. So we're doing that, above and beyond. Now again, I'm not rich, rich, but I'm blessed and I'm prosperous. There's a difference. And I'm waiting for the day that I'm rich. See, if you're going to be a giver, you must remember where you came from. Let me just say this. Here's the fourth thing that we need to develop. Develop a grateful heart. Deuteronomy 15, 15 says, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you. 
Therefore, I command you this thing today. We just read the whole uh, passage there and what he was supposed to do. If you're going to be a giver, you must remember where you came from and be grateful. Gratitude produces gratefulness. I was lost on my way to hell, and the Lord saved me. I didn't have love, joy, kindness, and because of that, spiritually, I was in trouble. I was fearful, in bondage, and angry, and a slave to sin. But Jesus Christ redeemed me. He brought me out of darkness and into his marvelous light. I'm grateful. And for God to ask me to do something in giving, whether it's a kind word, whether it's uh, baking a pie, whether it's returning my tithe and or giving above and beyond and giving extravagantly, I will not allow grieving to be a part of my life anymore. And again, there are times that grieving happens when you suffer loss. Loss of a loved one. But there's a time that you need to stop grieving and you need to move forward into gratefulness of what God gave you. On Friday, <laughs> my brother, who is three years older than me, um, thank you for praying for him. He will be out in January, and he's doing great, doing great. Thank you for your prayers. Uh, God did a miracle. And uh, I, I went and I worked out, and I, I came out and had my phone. I saw that there was a phone call from Larry. I almost called him, and then I noticed there was a, <laughs> there was a voice message. And I pressed the voice message, and there my... 65-year-old brother, sorry, Larry, if you're listening to this, who can't sing very well, um, saying happy birthday to me, because my mother did that for 60 years, and, uh, you know, so there I am listening to this. I'm so grateful that I have a brother that was healed who literally, <laughs> I called him up and we laughed about it. But the reality is, is I'm so grateful. Losing my mom, losing, losing the stepfather, losing all that in that one year, uh, Terry's aunt, everything. You know, the grieving is over. It's over. Gratefulness has replaced I'm so grateful for the life that my mother gave me. I'm so grateful for the life that my father gave me. I'm so grateful for the life that my grandmother showed me. And it's amazing. You and I have such an amazing life. And we need to become grateful. That's part of a giving. See, because when we don't develop that, we don't develop this gratefulness, what happens 
is we begin to live a life of anger, being offended easily. When it comes to giving again, you used to be a slave. So let God build gratitude in your heart. Let's close with these few statements. The Holy Spirit has just absolutely overwhelmed your hearts today. I sense it in my spirit, and the Holy Spirit has shown me. So let's finish with this. Listen very closely. If you allow God to deal with your heart, deal with selfishness, deal with grief, to deal with generosity, but you develop it, to deal with your gratitude, but you develop a thankful heart in gratitude. Luke 6.38 is not the motive for giving. Give and it will be given to you. That's not the motive, but it is, listen, it is the reward. It's not the motive, it's the reward. What is your motive? You are a giver. You love like God loved. God so loved the world that he gave. He gave everything. He gave of himself to you. And when we begin to live our lives in that area, we will be led by God. And we will be such huge givers. And in every area of our life, we will have heaps. More than enough. You want relationship? More than enough. Because you're a giver. You want finances? More than enough because you're a giver and you return your tithe. Giving is why we are living. It's why you live. You live to give. So let's develop this heart at Valley Community Church. Why am I saying let's develop this heart? We got a lot of givers. <laughs> we do. We, we have a lot of people that just love and give. And love to give. But let's develop the culture. Let's set it up. Next week, we'll talk more about how to develop this culture of giving in the church, in your home, in every area of your life. We're dealing with our heart. Next week, we'll talk about how. How do we live? How do we give answer to every one of those areas? But pastor, I have no money. Let God deal with selfishness. Let God deal with grieving. And begin to develop your heart where it needs to be. And I promise you, because I know our God, things will change. Why? Because you and I changed. We now have a lifestyle of giving. Let's all stand.